This is the Third Act Podcast, shining a spotlight on individuals, charities, and small business owners suffering from illness, economic shutdown, or lack of support and funding. Meaningful conversations that generate compassion and financial support from listeners compelled to join us on this journey to improve the lives of others. I'm gonna dance with the stranger. I'm gonna enjoy your show. I'm gonna learn to forgive and really let it go. And most of all, I wanna shine a light on good and look to give back. And that's what I'll do with my third, third act. And now your host, Roger Steed. Welcome, everyone, to the Third Act Podcast. I am really excited today to share the microphone with a guest that I have known for many years through a great family connection. As my youngest daughter, Sarah, was coming up through the Birmingham school system, Sarah met Christina Negley, now Christina Costa, when we moved to town some 20 years ago, and they became great school chums and carried that friendship through high school and beyond. That friendship brought about a close relationship with Christina's parents, Chris and Jenny, with Gene and myself, and has resulted in many fun times and memorable stories over the years. It's a great joy to have a conversation today with Christina Costa and in-law Christina, an opportunity to express her gratitude to friends, healthcare professionals, and her students about the beautiful aspects of thinking and practicing personal well-being in our daily lives an outlook for our future. I think of Christina as a role model and a great example to anyone that has gone through a significant trauma in their life. I know I have learned so much watching and learning about Christina's refined approach to life that it is gratifying, one of Christina's favorite words, to see her take on a serious situation with an unbelievable attitude of loving her brain and body and celebrating the good things in her life. It is with a great pleasure that I introduce Christina Costa and say thank you so much for coming on the podcast and providing some inspiration to our listeners. So good to see you. So good to see you too. Thank you for having me. Let's get right to some of the conversation we were having yesterday because I think it's really important. Can you provide to our listeners some of your advice and wisdom as a young woman, as a wife, and a teacher to those that could use a little encouragement about the wonderful things about our mind and body that you can share with our listeners and to anyone that might need a little helping hand. Sure. So I, in my research and now life, I study the practice of gratitude and how that impacts people. And the coolest thing to me about these practices is that they are accessible. They are free. They are something that anyone, no matter what they are going through, can use and can do. And I think even in my situation, I don't like to take it lightly. And I always like to tell people this is not certainly an easy thing to do, but it's something you can do. And so we know interventions that my advisor has run before are doing gratitude lists in the morning when you wake up, what you can, what you're thankful for and why writing letters to the people you're grateful for and giving those letters to the people in person, reading them to them, calling them on the phone. All of these different types of strategies are things that we know build happiness. 
and resilience. And anyone can do them. Anyone can practice them. It's never too late to start them. And so those practice of gratitude has been something that's really helpful to me and that I continue to want to talk about and research and, and preach about. Of course. Uh, one of the passages or comments you made in your book that I, I just loved and I would like you to expound on a little bit. It's uh, what tragedy can do, which is inspired by what cancer cannot do. Tragedy can kick you down and lift you up in the same breath. It can make friendship stronger. It can give you purpose. It can inspire. It can breed hope. It can strengthen faith. And it can accelerate dreams. It can bring an unexplainable peace, a love for your body that you never knew. It can introduce you to the bravest people that walk this earth and the smartest people born to help you heal. And that's why I'm not scared. Thank you, Tragedy, for what you taught me. It's now time for you to go. I just love that. I just love that. I don't know where you, I know it just came from your heart and your mind, but that's such a beautiful passage. Anything you'd like to add on that? Yeah, I'll give you some context for that. So I wrote that one after I saw a sign. This was in the radiation oncology department. There was a sign that was called What Cancer Cannot Do. And it was a list of cancer cannot rob joy. Cancer cannot take away your friendships. And it was beautiful and inspiring, but it made me think of with my background. Okay, but what also can cancer do? What are the things that I've learned this past year that I could, I can flip that and think about what it has given me. And so I named it what tragedy can do. I thought about all the things that have improved in my life, which is something we really don't talk about when we talk about right. cancer. And so that, that was, that poem was an outlet for me to think about the things that have changed in my life for the better and, and to flip it, not in opposition to that sign. I thought, I thought it was a beautiful, of course, story, but of course. No, I agree. It's an amazing self-belief in a way to turn it around to for your self-improvement. The other thing that really was profound and that I read, and of course, there's a lot of great comments and poems in your book, and we'll touch on that in more detail in a minute, but you found this, I call it a discovery within yourself early through, I guess this post early post-surgery and three-year therapy of treatments that you really didn't want to treat your cancer as an enemy. The idea of a fighter was a your self-image. And then you changed that to your own self-identity to start this beautiful idea of loving your brain and your body and not being at war with cancer or an uninvited enemy, as you call it. Can you expand on that a little bit, please? Because that's beautiful. Yeah, I'd love to. So this is a, I wasn't aware of how powerful this narrative was until I was diagnosed myself, until I had heard the word cancer. But when you hear the word cancer, you then hear warrior, fighter. You can fight this, you can beat this. And the, when I started hearing that, of course, I've seen that all around me in commercials and advertising. But when people started to say it to me, it was really uncomfortable. It didn't sit right with me. And thinking about how much I love the brain and how much I tell my students the brain is amazing. I thought, I don't want to fight my brain for the rest of my life. That's not how I want to look at that. And so I just, I'm trying to shift that narrative 
And of course, it's powerful and meaningful for some people that they are a fighter and they are a warrior. And I don't want to dismiss that if that's comforting, but for me, it just wasn't. And I just wanted to be able to provide that narrative for other people that maybe felt like me and didn't know how to put it into words. I think for healthcare professionals too, being able to explain to them how I feel about it has been helpful for them. It's something that a lot of people don't think about, but has really been a theme of this past year for me. Yeah, I can just tell through your voice and your actions, it's changed tremendously. I really love that. I want to get into, you're a teacher. You're a teacher of psychology. And I want to get it, and you're in the midst of your PhD to focus on uh, personal well-being and resilience. But can you share with our audience how you decided on this approach of psychology from the perspective, from your perspective, and how you're using that today to teach some of your students, please? Yeah, so I was a neuroscience undergraduate, and then I went into teaching. And I love that my neuroscience background had a lot of psychology in it, and I liked that part the best. And so when I came back to grad school, I decided to pursue that. And so I've always been, I call myself a brain nerd. I've always been a brain nerd. I've always been fascinated. In interest, we get to teach a whole unit on what the brain does. So now, this semester actually is the first semester that I'm teaching since my diagnosis. And... It's a whole new experience because the things I'm teaching about, I have personally gone through and get to talk about with my students. And so I'm experimenting and figuring out ways of how to bring that into the classroom and make it, again, another positive, an asset of this is what I can be teaching because this is something that I've gone through. We'll touch on it that in a second, but uh, I did first want to allow you to speak a little bit about the uh, great TED talk that you did that was part of the University of Michigan. I've listened to your presentation several times and took away more each time I listened to it, but you talked about your diagnosis and your surgery, of course, but you also spent a lot of time about your appreciation, gratitude toward these new aspects of your life and listening to your brain, your body. Can you just give our listeners a little taste or a glimpse of your TED talk and how all that reality and emotion and inspiration came out. It's just such a beautiful thing. Sure. So I'm so grateful for that talk. I feel like it's a good resource that if people want to ex- understand my experience, I just can send a, a YouTube right. link. I, the initial inspiration from the TED Talk was one of the poems that I wrote. And it was similar to what we were talking about, that changing the narrative of fighter to gratitude. The first half of the talk, I talk about my experience and what led me to this. And then the second half, I talk about the neuroscience of gratitude, of what's happening in your brain when you express gratitude, with hopefully the message that this is something anyone can practice. This is something our brains can be wired to do, whether we practice it or not. And some exciting news I had, it was a TEDx talk through University of Michigan, and it got so much traction that the TED website is going to republish it on their platform on December 2nd of this year. So that was exciting because they did a whole, they re-interviewed me and had me share my sources and the research, which I think is really great to know that Ted does that. So the talks we're seeing are verified by researchers. Right. 
yeah, so I'm very grateful for that platform. Speaking of gratitude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you use the term of your book and also I've heard you speak it, but you talk of yourself as a neurodivergent. Explain to our listeners what you think of when you define for yourself and can express it to others. One is a neurodivergent, please. Yes. So a neurodivergent person is someone whose nervous system differs from that of a neurotypical person. So neurotypical is the term used of someone who has a neuro nervous system that doesn't have any changes from, I don't like to use the word normal, but from the ordinary. And so neurodivergence can be any sort of mental illness, psychopathology, and it can be structural as well. It can be a change in brain chemistry, a change in brain shape, epilepsy. All of these um, disorders are considered neuro neurodivergences. So it's another way of, of grouping people, of, of identifying people. And I found in my teaching and learning that like disability and like other social categories it's almost a point of pride for people and community of i identify as a neurodivergent person and this is what it means to me this is how i learn differently or this is how i communicate and there's a phrase that i really like to use that celebrate neurodiversity which is instead of how can we fix or change these things how can we celebrate the different ways that we communicate and learn with each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to come back a little bit, if you don't mind, to a comment we talked about yesterday. You shared with your students your recent TED Talk, and um, I, I know from your Instagram page uh, your reaction to that, but can you just express to our listeners who maybe haven't seen it or heard it why you did it, number one, and your response once you did it? Like I mentioned, this is my first semester, TJ. And I was sure if I was going to tell them about my diagnosis since I'm actively going through treatment. And so I decided that I wasn't going to tell them at the beginning because I didn't want to miss a class or something and then freak out and worry. But I would tell them at the end of the semester on the last day. In the course content, we talk about emotions and we talk about gratitude. And I thought, I do have a TED Talk on the psychology of gratitude. So I decided to incorporate it now. We're about a month away from the end of the semester. I was very nervous. I wasn't sure what their reaction was going to be, but I could tell you I've never had a more engaged audience. I think they were, I I prefaced it like this might come as a shock to you, but just know that I will answer any questions and just know that I am doing really well. And their response was just, better than I could have ever imagined. The questions they asked, they were interested. They were supportive. They were so caring. It was just so beautiful that I held back the tears yeah, until they yeah, left. Exactly. But when they left, it was like, it was a rush of emotions of just feeling like I could be myself and that also they can learn from me. And I already had some students. So at the end of the lesson, I had them write a gratitude letter. I brought stamped envelopes. Sorry. And had them write one. And so 
just hearing from them and getting emails from them of I'm practicing this and I'm doing this, knowing that they're incorporating that means so much to me. It was great. I, um, I could feel your emotion and I was not surprised I will say that because, uh, when I listened to your TED talk several times, numerous times, each time, maybe because I knew you, but because I care for you and your family, it was, I was proud that you had the bravery and the guts, uh, to tell your story that pulled any punches, the good and the bad, and also point your, I call it your refined life, your new life into this new direction, which is so beautiful and so inspiring to others. That's the really cool part. I'm not surprised at all with your students' reaction. It, that's what anyone that listens to it will come away with is, uh, it's a great reflection on you and it's a great reflection on your way of thinking about your life. So bravo for that. I want to talk a little bit about the book. I know it was, I don't know, a, a process throughout your surgery, post-surgery and now treatments. First off, let me uh, tell the name of the book. It is Kiss Your Brain, Diagnosis, Diaries, Volume 1, which we suggest we'll probably bring volume two and maybe more, but can you talk about where the idea of the book came from, why you did it, the response and your thoughts on the response you've had from your people on Instagram, your friends, your family, your acquaintances, just give us a feeling of that, please. Sure. So I, the very first night I was in the emergency room, I wrote a poem in my phone in the notes app on my phone. That's just my way of coping. And I kept doing that because it, it was really helpful to me, whether I was, it was in a notebook in a waiting room, whether I was home on my computer, I just kept writing. Sometimes I would just write a feeling that I had or a word that I had, and I would later write a poem about it. And in about a couple of months, I had a collection of about a hundred plus poems and that's when I also had the idea of starting a research fund for my neurosurgeon. And so in conversations with friends and family, I decided that it was something that I could publish and use those funds to go towards research. And so for me, it was not only a monetary of let's raise money for research, but I also wanted to have something that I could offer and give people going through similar situations, whether it's a loved one, whether it's another patient, whether it's a healthcare provider. I've gotten a lot of wonderful feedback from all sorts of people, more than I could imagine of this poem related to me because of this, or this is exactly what I was thinking. And that makes me so happy when I can, when my words can resonate with somebody even in a different situation. And that's been great. The last poem in that book is titled Volume One, and it's about deciding whether I was going to call it Volume One or not. And that's powerful for me too. I decided to call it Volume One, which applies a Volume Two or Three. And I think that's just a really good note to leave it off on of this is, these are my intentions. This is how I'm go ahead and live my life. I'm quite certain no, it's going to be a volume two and three and maybe more. And I, so I look forward to that. In the book, you talk about resilience quite a bit for anyone that's listening that might have a loved one going through a difficult time or could use a little bit of uh, help or inspiration. Can you talk about the steps and tools that you can express to people or show, tell people that can help them through a difficult time, a difficult 
treatment, series of treatments, a trauma event. Can you just give us your idea of what steps and tools they can use to maybe improve their current situation? Yeah, I'll talk about a couple. I think first, something that's so helpful for me to understand, one of the first things that we learn in the psychology of resilience is that over time, things get better or over time we stabilize no matter the situation, that humans are resilient. So whether something really great happens and you get that boost in positive emotion or something devastating happens, it's going to even out eventually. Things will get better. It's one foot in front of the other. It's okay if things are not okay. It's okay to feel those feelings and process those. But just naturally, human behavior, it, it will get better. You are resilient. Therapy is a wonderful tool that I recommend for everyone. I always tell my students, everyone should be in therapy. Doesn't matter if you think things are great or not. I've been so lucky to have so many great therapists working in different areas that have helped me provide these strategies. I think first continuing writing my poetry was a suggestion from a therapist. And I had never thought about writing poetry as a form of getting my emotions out or processing things. And so that was something, sometimes somebody else's insight that's not a family member or friend is so helpful. One of the things you say in the book about therapy, you say, I've learned in therapy is to focus on truths, on what I know is fact. I don't know what my life will be like in five years, 10 years or longer. But I do know I'm strong, I'm resilient, I can rise again, I have community behind friends, family, obviously community. That's so powerful. And um, I can only imagine that helps you get through bad days. And it also helps you deal with stress, anxiety, anything that comes with a uh, big traumatic event in one's life. But that resilience and your thoughts on that are really inspirational. And it leads to the final thought of the book, which is renewal. Can you talk a little bit about what that means as far as getting through a difficult time and looking forward to the future, how you're setting your mind and setting your focus looking forward, please? So I feel like the first phase of anything difficult is the resilience and getting through the moment. And then what I wasn't prepared for was the aftermath, the after, I'm still in treatment, but after surgery and after, that's also an adjustment period of there's, this is a new set of circumstances to live with. And what does that look like? And I think for me, going back to so many of the things that I love, like coming back to teaching has been the absolute best right. thing for me. I'm teaching part-time right now. When you're in something, you're in it a hundred percent. And so I was going to radiation and doing therapy and doing this. And that was my life and raising money. And now I'm doing those things. I'm taking care of myself, but I'm also doing what I love teaching. And so I think in that renewal phase, finding what's really important and being able to, to do those things in productive and meaningful ways. And the going back to that, that poem about the truth. So something I would talk to my therapist about was it makes me uncomfortable to think about the future because what right. if, and her advice to me was, you don't know what if you only know what's true. So what's true? What do you know right now? And that was so helpful to me of, yeah, like right now I am a teacher and I'm going to teach or I'm 
a wife and my husband and I are going to dinner tonight. I want to be a mom. And right now I have my frozen embryos. Like I'm going to do something with them because it's the right now. It's not the what if. Right, right, right. That's the way we all should live for sure. I want to spend a, allow you to spend a little bit of time to talk about your uh, fantastic uh, medical team at the University of Michigan. Can you speak about the overall feeling you have as well as if you want to single out some people, that's great. But to just express your gratitude and your thoughts about your medical team and what they've meant to you throughout this whole process. Yes, I'd love to. I love my medical team. I have more pictures with them than I do with my own family members. At this point, they are around my house. They have meant so much to me. So a big shout out to the Michigan Medicine Multidisciplinary Brain Tumor Clinic. They are my team of doctors, which is great because I go to one place and I get to see them all at the same place instead of going here. My book, there are so many references to them throughout. There are so many poems that are, I wrote this right after I had my point with my neurosurgeon or my oncologist. And it's just amazing how their attitude and their behaviors affected my well-being so positively. And have they've just given me, they've been the biggest sense of hope and inspiration to me. I think being at a research university is so special because they're spending half their time with patients with me and the other half of the time they're researching for changes for patients like right. me. And so that's the number one hope is that they are working on making this better for me and for the people that come after me. That's so inspirational. I feel so lucky to have them. Let's talk about your desire to raise funds for cancer research, your neurosurgeon, I guess you call it. Can you provide a link to me that I can provide our listeners so that anyone that wants to donate and get involved and help your cause or help that cause can do quickly? I probably know we'll put out some show notes like next week with the podcast and any a link like that would certainly be something that I would like to put forward so our guests or listeners can donate if they wish or get involved in that great project. So uh, please do that. I do. I will. I have a link to the fund that we started. Thank you. That's very generous. Now I want to talk a little bit about your amazing family. I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your parents, brother and sister, your husband, Andriano and his family in Brazil. Just give us a little bit of feeling about your thoughts on the past two years as you've gone through this whole ordeal, I'll call it. It's probably not your word, but my word. And also how you've been able to come out of this so beautifully spot uh, with so much inspiration and positivity toward the future. Can you just bring that into the sort of the family dynamic, please? Yes. So I know lucky is a funny word to use in my situation, but I truly am one of the luckiest people in this world to have the family that I have and the support system that I have. The night I went to the emergency room, it was COVID, so I went alone. And my husband, Adriano, and my parents were outside in the car together. And I was just so worried about him going home back to our apartment alone. I said, get our dog and go to my parents' house. And he said something to my mom. My mom reached tell the story of, she's going to want to live with you. We're going to need the support of all of us. And so that's what we've done. We, my husband and I moved in with my parents. And we've been, we call ourselves the roommates. We've been a community. And that is just the most beautiful gift that I've been given. One, that my husband is even okay with living with his in-laws, but more than that, likes it and, and wants to be here. 
and that I have three adults to drive me places and take care of me. They've been incredible. Of course, I have a younger sister and brother who are both supportive. It's hard being the oldest going through something. Like, I want to just say, I'm going to be okay. Don't worry about me. I'm supposed to be worried about you. Always so grateful for my family and the support system I have and my ex- the extended support system right. of all my mom's people and all my dad's people. It just the most beautiful thing that can come out of something of this is seeing what a community there is and seeing how many people truly care and the things we can do because so many people care. It's, it's very comforting. Very, very lucky. It's great. No, I can only say I totally agree. You have great family and it's uh, now surprising that you're getting the love and the uh, support that you need. Totally fantastic. I did want to close. This is too sort of personal notes, but you might get a chuckle out of this or maybe your dad will. But I first wrote down, I shouldn't say this, but what the heck, but this is the idea. I, I played golf last Saturday, charity events. It was 37 degrees outside. So we drank a few libations before, during and after golf to stay a little warm or stay warmer or it wasn't ever warm. But I always think of your dad when they take a shot of Jägermeister. <laughs> uh-huh. We have had. A number of good times together over the years, and I can't go into all the details because it, it would get, it gets me in trouble, but it makes me smile every time I take a swig. But yet again, I think of your dad, Chris Nagley, it's, it's a beautiful thing <laughs> and something I'll always remember. The other thing is one that involves you and it involves you as Christina or Christy, as my daughter Sarah called you, but you have a very, I call it impressive influence on others. I always like to recount this story as I was amazed that you and your mom talked Sarah into joining your diving team at Seaport, <laughs> when she had absolutely no experience whatsoever. I mean, it dope before. And Gina and I are going to these diving matches and seeing our, our doctor tend to do the back dive off the diving board. And it, it was inspirational that you could get her to do it. It was also great that Sarah would take the shot and, and give it a go and uh, make the best of it. You have a influence on others that is, that should not be taken lightly, that you could use that for good. You use that for others to make them feel that they can get through a rough point or a rough period in their life or a traumatic event as you've gone through. So I guess my only encouragement is use that influence that you have because you have a good knack of getting close to people and people trusting you and people relying on your word. Use that as you go through the rest of your life and you'll have great success. I have no doubt about that. So I just want to close by saying, God bless you for all you're doing. God bless you for your positive inspiration for others. And thank you so much for coming on the call today. I really appreciate that. Thank you so, so much for having me. It was awesome talking to you. We'll talk again. Thank you for listening to the Third Act Podcast. To find out more about who we are spotlighting, how to get involved, or find show notes on today's episode, go to wearethirdact.com.